uh, it's a talent we have where when we are trying to record, we just get quiet. Yeah, clan the fuck up. That's how recording works. Tradition. <laughs> I need to get closer to my microphone here. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know. You Refresh. you're like louder than anybody else right now. Like my fucking line in Zencaster is tiny as far as I can see. I don't know what the fuck's up with that. It's that your your microphone compresses your signal pretty considerably because uh, right. the same thing happens when I pull it into Audition. Huh. Yeah, Wonder. mine's not very big either. Mine's smaller than Tim's actually. You're quiet in my ears though. So yeah, but you're, yeah, you're quiet to, overall. Maybe you need to turn the gain back up on your microphone after we had it turned down for uh, the marathon. Okay. Oh, it. I mean, it's pretty fucking high. Is it? Yeah, it's uh, a little over halfway. Well, it is pretty high. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that actually didn't even change anything when I touched it. <laughs> oh well, whatever. Clunk, clunk, clunk. I mean, I could get really close to it. <laughs> you can. Well, let's let's just roll with it, and we'll we'll figure it out in post. Oh yeah, that's always what I like to hear. <laughs> I mean, like I—that's the editor's like, favorite line. Yeah, I'm like twice as far away from this fucking thing as I should be, but I don't have an arm or anything. So. Yeah, the arm comes in handy. I like my arm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've considered getting one. Definitely. I'll see. I, what would you? I guess you could like mount it to that uh, side table or whatever. That's enough inside baseball. <laughs> All right, we ready to go? Everybody ready? Recording? Yes. Okay. Well, let's get started then. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. This is our 230th episode of our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from and Christmassy this week from a decidedly not safe for work point of view. Uh, I am Tim, coming to you from Toronto, Ontario. I'm going to be hosting this week. With me, I have my big fucking old bottle of holiday cheer, Mark. Oh, is that that's my introduction? Thank you. <laughs> Did you not hear the the dripping sarcasm in there? I no, I missed that. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> and my wife Alicia coming to us from the next room, at least from me. I'm back again. Hello. <laughs> so where I can tell Tim's getting sick of talking to me is he invites Alicia along. <laughs> no, it's to mostly be fair, just he probably gets sick of talking to me too because it's just us in this fucking house. <laughs> well, there's that. I mean, I spend a lot of time talking to the dogs, too. We all just talk to the dogs now, <laughs> I think. Yep. Yeah, so how are you guys doing? Well, we're talking to dogs, so we can't be doing <laughs> particularly well. Yeah, or everybody's coming up on their, like, quarantine Zoom Christmas, and uh, at least this fucking year is soon going to be over. Although, like, ev- I think everybody's being like, man, 2021 is going to be so much better. Like, yeah, no, bitch, you're not getting a fucking vaccine for a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you are like already near death in some shape or form, either very old or very sick, you're not getting a vaccine. At Way least to if fucking you start this off on a high note, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you're just bringing us right down where I want us. All right, in the basement for the Christmas episode. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about happy things then. The, the news for this week starts with someone dying. I was going to say somebody probably died, right? <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> I have a whole string of news related to Mandalorians. The first being that Jeremy Bullock, the man who was behind the Boba Fett mask and armor back in the original Star Wars trilogy, passed away this past week. He was 75 years old, but he 
did have Parkinson's um, and had, which kind of forced him to retire from the convention circuit a couple of years ago. But like he was doing like all kinds of conventions and he would do like appearances at like Star Wars weekends at Disney World and stuff like that. So he was like a mainstay of all those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always like seems like once a month or something like that if not more we're getting like these like star wars deaths right now because we had like david prowse not long ago either as well but (sighs) but in cooler mandalorian news holy shit the day that we're recording this is the day that the season finale of mandalorian season two was released at least she hasn't seen it but she doesn't care so we can spoil it all we want and spoiler alert jump forward like at least two minutes because we're probably gonna talk about this for a while but uh luke skywalker is was back oh yeah that's right i won't say is back but (laughs) uh because like i don't feel like we're gonna see him a whole lot but made a sizable appearance let's say yeah made like a rogue one sized appearance basically very much it was very analogous to the uh, darth vader scene at the end of rogue one where i mean the the episode even before luke came was fucking great uh we had like a epic ass face off between Moff Gideon and Mando between like the dark saber and that uh Beskar spear that was pretty badass. That was this week, wasn't it? Yeah, that was this week too. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, okay. That was <laughs> last week. Yeah. Uh it was a big it was a fucking slam packed episode. It was. We got to see like Mando go like mono a mono with a dark trooper which again took like the Beskar spear to finally w- beat it. And then basically they were about to have to like face down a whole fucking platoon of dark troopers. And uh, we find out presumably that Luke was who Grogu, the baby Yoda was able to contact from that seeing stone. Wait, wait, two wait, episodes wait. Ago. Is that seriously what they decided to fucking name baby Yoda? Grogu. Yeah. Yes. G R O G U. That is the fucking stupidest name. <laughs> I mean, is it any stupider than Yoda? Yes. Yoda <laughs> at least, like, feels nice in your mouth. Grogu sounds like you're about to vomit. What the fuck? <laughs> Grogu sounds like like spoiled yogurt or something like that. Sounds like Swedish yogurt or something like like one of those <laughs> specific, like, yogurts. That, like, they're, like, they're the Swedish-style yogurt. Oh, Alicia, Alicia fucking eats those. They're like cheese. It's it, called it, yeah. skier. It's gross. It, it's delicious. Fuck you. Uh, All right. Um, <laughs> either way. Yeah, I wasn't super keen on the name either. Like, I was kind of indifferent towards the name. But, like, he's just going to be called Baby Yoda from now till eternity anyway. So, yeah. like. I mean, he's gone yeah. now off the show. Like, spoiler alert. I've already given a spoiler alert. But, uh, yeah. So, Luke comes to Moff Gideon's ship and just fucking wrecks all of these the dark fancy troopers. dark troopers yeah. yeah they make all this fuss about the dark troopers yeah. and one jedi just like destroys them all i was like all right yeah i mean yeah. That, that was pretty much what happened in dark forces as well so okay there you go <laughs> well actually i don't know I, I can't remember like how many dark troopers you end up facing in dark forces cause it's been so long since i played this game. well it was it was really nice seeing luke be like badass jedi version you know yeah, you never really like, get to see him like, like post return the hero jedi, of jedi. Like, yeah. yeah exactly like fully fucking like trained like in total mastery of his abilities just yeah. tearing loose through all those fucking dark troopers and also like being able to fight something that he doesn't have to worry about like holding back against right although like yeah. he d- clearly doesn't have like any real 
qualms about killing you know, stormtroopers and shit like that, but still. Yeah, well, they were already chopped up all over the place anyway, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, there was that. So fucking amazing, amazing episode. Topped off a great season, and yeah, it was very emotional for. Did you we, cry again, Tim? I did a little bit when did you? when yeah, uh, right. when Ben said goodbye to the child because. Uh, Luke was taking him away to like complete his training. So I mean, Grogu is like out of the picture now. Baby Yoda, as far as we know, is is gone for the foreseeable future. There's no way that Baby Yoda is going to stay gone. Yeah, is, I was like, going to say there's no merchandising opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's worth too much to them on TV uh, to be off TV for very long. But that brings me to the next point, which was uh, there's a post credit uh, scene that basically showed Boba Fett and Fennec Sand, played by Ming-Na Wen, who go back to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, where Bib Fortuna has become somewhat Jabba-like himself, has gotten real fat, and he's the Twi'lek that uh, was like Jabba's assistant or whatever, and he's basically taken over the palace, and Boba Fett goes in and kills Bib Fortuna, sits down in like the throne in Jabba's palace, and then we get a like little tag that says to be continued or something like that in uh, December 21 in the Book of Boba Fett. So it's not totally clear whether the Book of Boba Fett is going to be a separate series or whether season three of The Mandalorian is going to be the book of Boba Fett, whether like season one and season two were the book of Din Djarin, and now we're getting the book of Boba Fett. I think that's probably the case because I don't think that they would fucking counter program two different shows about Mandalorians overlapping each other because that's when Mandalorian season three is supposed to come out. So, but I don't know. I think they, I mean, I don't know. Has what, have they not said anything official about this yet? No, not that I've seen so far. I mean, it just like I said, it just dropped today, right? And they probably want to give yeah. at least a couple of days so that like they're not spoiling people, but w- by making an announcement, uh, you know, that'll end up all over the news. Um, although like every headline has already been like, you know, such, yeah, such it was such a character, you know. I astoundingly had to like I got up first thing this morning basically and like did nothing and looked at nothing until I could <laughs> sit down and watch the episode because I knew. Like from midnight on Thursday on, it's like spoiler hell with this show now. So I was trying to go in relatively spoiler free and I did manage to do that. But there was like like everything I saw after I did that was fuck, I got spoiled. Fuck, I got spoiled. Fuck, (laughs) I got spoiled. And I was like, well, thankfully I I was smart. But you got to be like, basically put your phone in a fucking Faraday cage to make sure it's not getting anything at all at (laughs) all. So you don't get spoiled for some of this shit now. You don't get like, hey, Google wants to like send me an alert based on my searches telling me. Oh, you like Star Wars? Like, look at these headlines. Look at this. (laughs) No, I don't want that. Yeah, I don't need these spoilers. Fuck you, Google Assistant. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Fun season. I don't know what what they're going to do with that. That would be, uh, I mean, I would rather that be a separate series and mandalorian season three just be mandalorian season three but i mean part you know. of me like uh, likes the idea of giving dinjarin a break and like or putting him in like a background role for a bit or something like that just so like we don't have traditional american tv model of like we're just going to do this shit to death until people are sick of it yeah like you know every dccw show for instance yes so like if they can if that's how they want to like keep it fresh 
by like kind of rotating through the who the main cast member is that they're following around, then I'm okay with that. I I could watch you know at least one season probably about Boba Fett. It'll be interesting to see if they do like Crime Lord Boba Fett, like what we're kind of looks like they're setting us up for here, or whether it's going to be like this is what happened to Boba Fett in between, like Return of the Jedi and now. You think what's his name would be back at that point? Would they be able to bring Darth Maul back and do like Darth Maul versus Boba Fett and just get real <laughs> fan servicey? Like just get real fan servicey with it? Uh, would that work in the timeline? No, Darth Maul is dead post Return of the Jedi for sure. Okay, uh, I am pretty. Are you for sure? For sure? Because uh, like, can we I bend mean, these rules a little bit? That they kept bringing back right, and like they brought him back as like a spider creature. Uh, yeah, in. Shit's so dumb, man. I don't believe I care about the Star Wars stuff right now. But even Rebels was pre was oh maybe not. I because the last time that we saw him was in Solo, right? No, because he appeared in. I mean, probably chronologically, yes. But in Rebels or one of the new Clone Wars seasons. Anyways, he he showed up and fought. Obi-Wan on Tatooine after like Obi-Wan had exiled himself in one of the uh, animated series. Okay. Oh yeah. So, and, and that's where Obi-Wan killed him in that fight. So yeah, he's dead. Okay. I was going to say, cause like, wasn't solo after that solo would have been after that. Right. Guess it could have been. Yeah. No, no, it must've been before. Cause like, this is like, you know, probably shortly before the events of new hope. Kind of oh, this is getting cut out of the podcast because like like nobody cares anymore. <laughs> like we completely, there's no point to any of this anymore. I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I mean, the Star Wars timeline is tough to keep track of because like there's been so much stuff that they've put in that's been like, hey, this is before and or in between these other things that we've already put out and stuff like that. So so like his story has not been told chronologically in any way, shape, or form. So it's can, can be yeah. difficult to keep track of. This is somehow more complex than the fucking Zelda timeline. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's getting pretty bad. Let's see. Sort of initial reviews for Wonder Woman 84 are coming out, and they sound a lot like the reviews for the first one, where, like, yeah, it's a big, like, superhero spectacle, but it's got a lot of heart, like a lot of like, big, like, message of hope kind of thing, which I feel like is something that the world kind of needs right now, so... I'll definitely be trying to watch that on uh, on Christmas Day. I'll be figuring out a way to watch that on Christmas Day yeah. somehow or another. So, yeah. Let's see. On the Marvel side of things, somewhat minor compared to all the Marvel news we got last week. Uh, yeah. But there's another Marvel series coming to Disney Plus, but it's like a clip show, basically. Yeah. Called Marvel Studios Legends, and it's basically like your primers, right? So it's like this is the backstory of captain america up to this point or whatever this is the backstory of iron man this is the so basically so that if you want to like you know get yourself caught up on one of the characters sort of stories to this point you don't have to sit down and watch like six or seven or eight movies or something i mean it's too late for me i guess so (laughs) this is yeah this is probably not made for people like us that that will sit down and rewatch like all of the mcu yeah but yeah i i I appreciate it for people that are just like I mean, I guess this is, you know, to give people like a jumping on point so they can say like, oh man, like I don't want to like rewatch all of the Avengers movies or something like that so that I can prime myself for WandaVision. 
What else? On the Marvel side, we also found out that Jamie Alexander is finally going to be coming back as Sif, Lady Sif, in Thor Love and Thunder, which I know will make Mark happy. Yes. It's <laughs> exciting to hear that she's coming back, so that's good news. Yeah. So she hasn't been around since uh, Thor The Dark World, basically. Well, she was on an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I think was the last time right. she appeared. But yeah, it was around Thor The Dark World when she and appeared in there. Yeah. Because she was notoriously absent from uh, everybody else getting ganked in Ragnarok. Hopefully they like address that in some way. Like, I mean, give us some context of where the fuck she's been. Yeah, I would hope so, but who knows? It's Taika, right? Like she might just show up and like no questions asked. So we'll see what happens. Now she just needs to like, you know, stay off of like parlor or whatever and not fucking pull a Gina Carano. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to figure out how they're going to navigate because she's on one of those spinoffs. Is she not like, is she not in the, uh, well, they haven't announced anything really, but like people are thinking she's probably in the Rangers of the new Republic series. Yeah. I was a captain or whatever of the new Republic now. Yeah. So that's what I assumed she would be on. So I was like, how are they going to wander around this little problem they have with her being a right wing Looney tune? Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, their fucking PR people and her PR people at least get her under control. Uh, yes. Let's see. Cyberpunk 2077 continues to be a disaster. Oh, yeah, it got pulled uh, (laughs) last night. To the, yeah, yeah, to the point where uh, Sony has pulled it from the PlayStation Store because it's so buggy on both PS4 and PS5. I think Microsoft may have pulled it from the Xbox Store today, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I I saw something. Either that or they're, they're offering refunds. I know Sony's, Sony's offering refunds. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, apparently it runs fine on PC, but just was not optimized properly for anything else. Well. It it runs fine on a PC with like a fucking twenty seventy or better. Like you have to have like some pretty high end hardware. Like my PC's running it, but like barely, and I have like a twenty seventy in mine. So like fuck a duck. You know what I mean? Like does the PC version have the same uh, random bug where your dick's just out all the time? It can actually. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, it can. <laughs> I haven't played much of it because like I don't like playing janky fucking buggy games. I hate beta testing games for people, so fuck that. It can wait. But did you get it? I mean like I got a copy of it. <laughs> On PC? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty yeah. much everyone I've like talked to about it has said that it's it's not even like betaing a game. It's like alphaing. It's a alpha. Game. Yeah. No, it, it's pretty interesting some of the like stuff you wouldn't expect to see in like a what it should be like a big triple a game like you shouldn't be seeing this kind of jank and i'm like, like fucking like people like doing the t-pose on their like vehicles and shit and literally like your your like cousin character or whatever like the you're the, the kind of the michael rooker looking character that yeah. they use all the time t-posing and then gliding through a wall in front of me and i was like <laughs> i was like all right this needs and I guess this is something that happened with The Witcher as well. Like when The Witcher Three came out, it was notoriously buggy as all get out. Also, yeah. so like I, I, this is something that like they they have done before, and now they're really getting fucking slammed for it as and rightfully so because the game is a fucking mess. So I don't know. It's just ridiculous that they did this after having delayed it so many times. Yeah, like it was supposed yeah. to come out like what in like the spring or something like that, and we're like seven, eight months later, and it's still. Well, they announced this fucking game eight years ago. People have been talking about this game for fucking ever. So like, <laughs> now that it's out and it's just this kind of like, 
fucking mishmash mess like some people calling it unmitigated disaster some people calling it like overextended reach and all this other shit because they're not a huge team i guess but either way it's just fucking embarrassing basically so yeah it does look good when you get it like up and running like from what i've seen on like a newer on one of the new consoles or like on like a 3080 or whatever but Mm -hmm. at the same fucking time like can you get your hands on a 3080 right now like no yeah can't get a ps5 right now either so (laughs) maybe they should have just if i were them i'd have just been like fuck it hold off till like maybe march and then dump it when these things are all widely available because now it's just this bad pr basically going forward i know like cd project reds fucking like uh, stocks are in the shitter and stuff right now too so yeah uh, see what else the adaptation of stephen king's the stand came out on cbs all access well in the u.s i don't know what it would be in the on in canada might be crave yeah with uh whoopi goldberg whoopi goldberg you almost yeah yeah and one of the scars guards scars guards alexander scars guard that's the hot one how how dare you forget? Okay, that. sorry, hot scars guard, not weird scars guard, which is Bill scars guard. Thank you. Or old scars guard, which is Stellan scars guard. Yeah. Is yeah. old old scars guard? Yeah, and I mean, there's also what Jesus, James Marsden, Amber Heard, Greg Kinnear, fucking tons of people in this thing. Mark, you're the our resident Stephen King person. Are you actually going to watch this? I haven't seen any reviews, so maybe, maybe not. I don't know yet. Stephen King's shit can be like real hit or miss, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. And uh, it's usually best to wait until you can see a review before you dive in. It took me a while to even like, even like Dr. Sleep took me a while to kind of get to. So it was good though. I enjoyed it, yeah. but yeah. yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to watch it mostly for hot scars guard. <laughs> I mean, that's a choice. <laughs> How many times have I watched true blood just to watch him play that character? Too many. <laughs> Isn't that that show's coming back? Is he coming it's, back with that show? It's no, it's getting rebooted. I think I sent Alicia. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, I mean, so. I'm like okay if they manage to find people with actually convincing southern accents because oh shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, at times. But yeah, I don't so. really feel like they're going to be able to cast that particular role better. Fair, yeah. It was this was news from last week that there's an. A True Blood reboot in the early development stages at HBO. Um, so that's, you know, one of those situations where who the fuck knows when and if it will actually happen. Yeah. Chris Pine might be starring in a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Just nobody wants that. They did one of these. Jeremy Irons probably never chewed the scenery, apparently, in that also. So. Yeah, just why? I mean, I get it. Dungeons and Dragons is real fucking, like hype right now and everybody's into it but just, are they is that a thing is that, is that yeah are into I mean, it? well i think there's been like a real resurgence uh in part caused by stranger things COVID? Right? Well, oh COVID yeah i think i think yeah, i think like yeah. the whole yeah so i think like yeah uh gen zers are getting real into it because they like, oh the kids are getting into it interesting yeah okay fair enough so at one point we were talking about doing like some sort of campaign on the podcast or something maybe we'll get around to that someday one day let's see uh, we were talking about covid vaccines coming out somebody did get one that is attached to a lot of 
nerdy properties and i'm glad that he did ian mckellen got the covid vaccine yesterday and you know had like pictures taken and everything to show people that it's fine and that he was fine and that he didn't burst into flames as soon as the needle went in his arm or anything like that so good yeah he keeps protect him to die yeah <laughs> we must protect ian mckellen at all costs if that was everything i had did i miss anything guys uh no not that i saw all right just just mandalorian was all everybody was talking about this week yeah. so <laughs> Yeah, very true. All right, well, then we can move on to our Geek of the Week, which is our segment where we discuss the nerdiest things we've done in the past week or so. So, Alicia, what was your Geek of the Week? I've been doing wholesome Christmas shit for the most part, not really geeky shit. (laughs) Yeah, like I've been knitting. No one fucking cares. (laughs) It's pretty geeky. What did I you mean, knit? If I, were, if I were knitting geeky stuff, yes, I'd knitted fucking Christmas stockings. <laughs> I'm currently knitting a sweater. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Mark, what's your geek of the week? I was going to talk about cyberpunk, but we just talked about cyberpunk. So, like, <laughs> uh, I read, I finished Batman's Grave because that finished this mm. week. So I, I read through the whole thing. It was, it was a story. It was a Batman story by Warren Ellis. <laughs> yeah, art was great. The art was fucking amazing. Hitchy is always, you know, it's always great seeing Hitchy draw whatever he wants to draw. So Brian Hitch pencils. Yeah, quite nice. It was a Batman story by Warren Ellis. So it was not really my particular flavor of Batman story. Also, like, I don't need to see him die every time. Spoilers. Sorry. But, you know, (laughs) whatever. But yeah, like if you're into Brian Hitch art story called Batman's grave, like what the fuck? I was expecting. Yeah, I was expecting it. Also, I'm like, why would you kill him in a a story called Batman's grave? It's far too obvious. You're going (laughs) to kill him either way brian hitch art i mean you can't really say no to it so yeah, yeah it's just uh, the the villain never really grabbed me and no it didn't really click it yeah just, it was just real fucking slow and the pacing was kind of fucky and yeah yeah but uh i'll take that hitchy artwork i guess i did get to read i finished uh hellblazer too uh john constantine hellblazer mm. the that 12 issue series i guess it's now like this is called the 12 issue maxi series now because it's yeah. over it's or so whatever sorry. There is a, there's another, well, there's a, a, like, magazine format, Constantine, or Hellblazer, yeah. right now, too. Um, I yeah, I saw that. I got the first issue of it, though. But I read, I read that 12-issue run, and it was, it was excellent, so, you know, yeah. it's worth going to pick up. I have it. I haven't, I haven't read it yet. Who wrote that one? That was part uh, of the same uh, Man Universe stuff, right? Uh, yeah, it was. Who, uh, hold on, I just had it open. Simon Spurrier? Is, is he a writer, or is he a, the penciler? He's the, he's the writer, yeah. Yeah, Simon Spurrier is writing it. Aaron Campbell drew the first issue. I'm not sure if he drew all of them. I think he did, though. But either way, yeah, this it was fun. The same man universe, John Constantine Hellblazer thing that they just fucking canceled for no reason. I read the 12 issues. It was quite good. Not so. for no reason. They canceled it because like they reduced Nobody their whole it. fucking line during yeah. yeah during COVID and like shut down. I mean, because comic stores were shut down for like two months, basically. That's in true. Canada and the U.S. Yeah, but either way, it was good. It was worth picking up once you. I mean, the trades are out probably now. I would imagine. So yeah, you can go pick it up whenever you want. Thanks. Uh, my geek of the week um, is also Christmas related. Uh, I am... wait. How's Constantine Christmas related? What are we talking about here? <laughs> no, as as in Alicia's was Christmas related. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> you did this in a bad order. Yeah, just the past couple of days, I kind of got sucked down a YouTube rabbit hole of like vi- like videos of European Christmas markets in particular. Oh my god! 
what they call uh, Christ Kindle markets because I've been like just trying to like live and travel vicariously since the only fucking place we're going for Christmas this year is our living room. But like it just. I've wanted for a few years now to like do some like travel during Christmas oh. and uh, <laughs> Mark slit in his wrists, like go to like, you know, places like uh, England and Austria and Germany and shit like that. And because like they just have so much delicious fattening food, there's like sausages and mulled wine and beer and pastries and chocolate and cheese and shit like that. And like all the decorations and like all the like, fucking little crafty shit like handmade crafty shit you can buy and just is something that i'm very much looking forward to when i can actually leave my house and go somewhere else for any length of time (sighs) all right that movie uh oh god what the hell word was that (laughs) i don't fuck you are Uh, with sunshine and also can't speak this evening with that we can move on to our Meat of the episode, booby-trapped holiday meat. Because tonight we are talking about Home Alone, one of the greatest holiday movies of our generation, which came out in 1990 and was written and produced by uh, legendary John Hughes and directed by uh, Chris Columbus, who would later go on to direct the first Harry Potter movie. But this was one of the like first big movies that Chris Columbus did. And starring Macaulay Culkin in his like real breakout role, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern as the Wet Bandits, John Hurd and Catherine O'Hara as the McAllister parents. So what are your sort of top level feelings about uh, Home Alone? Let's go. Let's go to our Scrooge first. Let's go to Mark. I love Joe Pesci. So (laughs) I'm on board for Joe Pesci doing like Yosemite Sam nonsense. (laughs) He saves this movie for me quite a bit. Yeah. Not like the biggest fan of this movie. I don't, I'm sure this is going to cause some kind of consternation, right? <laughs> Am I going to get mauled? Anyway. It's pretty much expected. Like yeah. I mean, it is. It's a, it's a Looney Tunes episode and I enjoy it for that basically. So yeah, that's okay. about it. That's, that's my top <laughs> level thoughts on Home Alone. Joe Pesci doing his uh, Yosemite Sam impression because he basically could not do this movie without cursing in some way, shape, or form. He can't do yes. anything without cursing in some way, shape, or form. And they're like, like, bro, this is a PG movie. You cannot like be dropping f bombs. So he did like the Rasafrasen like Yosemite Sam thing instead, which is like that's fine. Like, what do you want Joe Pesci to do? That's what you want Joe Pesci to do is do that. Whatever, either swear incessantly or sound like he's swearing incessantly <laughs> but then like as i got older i started realizing like some of the things that he was saying and like especially where he's talking about tearing off kevin's testicles and yes. boiling them in motor oil <laughs> <laughs> like because you know the a fucking like nine-year-old me or whatever when this movie came out in 1990 like i didn't fucking know what cojones were at the age of nine and then like you know at some point later on i was like Holy shit, that's dark. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of them at the end because he's talking about like biting his fingers off and biting his fingers off was the thing I was thinking (laughs) about. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's pretty grim actually when you think about it. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, he's still Joe Pesci. So yeah, (laughs) Alicia, what are your feelings about Home Alone? Greatest Christmas movie of all time, hands down. Fuck every (laughs) other Christmas movie. This one is the best. That's why Alicia is on this episode, folks. (laughs) 
this is in probably like my top three Christmas movies. Like it's definitely one of my top three like live action Christmas movies. It's one of the rare Christmas movies that were like classics for both Alicia and I growing up. So it's one of the ones that we end up watching like every year. And my family watched it like every year as well. My sister fucking loves this movie too. So I have a lot of nostalgia for Home Alone. And yeah, I just think it's like, it's a fucking like John Hughes Christmas movie, basically. Like it's everything I want out of a Christmas movie that's produced and written by John Hughes, basically. All right. So Mark, since you love this movie so much, can you please recount the plot of Home Alone? Oh, Lord. All right. So I don't remember how exactly it starts, but it basically your starts were introduced to the McAllister family of which there are seemingly infinite 800 infinite <laughs> numbers of them because every time the camera switches angles there's a new fucking kid and i'm like well, how am i supposed to keep track of all this horse shit and i guess it's like the oh it's the pizza delivery guy right he's trying to deliver pizza at the beginning of the movie yeah and like the joe pesci standing there in the cop uniform and i don't know pizza gets called they all get declared that pizza's gonna be there or something so everybody goes to eat and bypasses the kid doesn't don't pay the poor fucking kid they take the pizza because what's his name? The uncle, the scumbag uncle. Uncle Frank. Yeah, fuck him. Every, every I don't like family that guy. has an insufferable asshole, Uncle Frank. I think I am the Uncle Frank, but like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, so they eat pizza, and like Macaulay Culkin's character. Also, their like, parents are fucking stupid. They blatantly just tell this cop without like checking anything. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going out of town tomorrow. Like, every just, just telling everybody in front of like, the children in God that they're fucking announcing it to the world that they're not going to be there in, in France. So just rob us, rob our giant mansion, take it all. Ridiculous. Either way, the Cully Culkin gets in a fight with his older brother. Who's a douchebag. <laughs> buzz. Yeah. Buzz. <laughs> and gets sent upstairs. And in the rush, the next morning, the power goes out. It's very exciting. This is like the, this is the best plot of all time. <laughs> the power goes out. And they're almost, they almost missed their flight to France. So they get up in a rush. And because there's some extra kid in there, he gets miscounted. And they split between two vehicles. Kevin somehow gets left home alone. Exciting times. Now the child is home alone. Yeah, because they rush through the, the airports and stuff. And then she kind of, that, that's where they, she screams Kevin at some point. That's on the plane. Right yeah, there it is. <laughs> this is fun. I'm having a good time. <laughs> watch the movie i did i did <laughs> how many years ago did you last watch home alone on tuesday i watched it tuesday night that was at least a year ago <laughs> it feels like a year ago now uh basically like he realized he's home alone he thinks he made his family disappear which is very exciting i agree uh it would be awesome to have that power make it just Sorry, every people disappear it's fine i don't think she listens to the podcast anymore it's completely fine <laughs> What happens next? He goes and gets a toothbrush and he steals it because he's a dirty little thief. <laughs> That's in there. Um, he's scared of the neighbor also because the, the neighbor's creepy and makes zombies with salt or something like that. Mummy, mummies. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Mummies. <laughs> oh, I hate this movie, guys. I just, did I tell you how much I hate this fucking thing? The South oh, what a Double Slayer. How can you forget this? What a, what a fucking nightmare this movie was. Either way. <laughs> So, like, it goes back and forth where, like, the Wet Bandits, who are the best part of this movie, like Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci make this movie watchable, keep going back to that house because Joe Pesci's got a mad boner to rob the McAllister house in particular. And they keep going back. Silver Tuna. Yeah, sure. Silver Tuna. Is that what he says? Yeah. 
When they're doing like the uh, whole bit with the light timers, he says like that one's the silver tuna, and then Marv wow. says it. Marv says it again later, like silver tuna tonight. All right. Either way. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah. So they keep trying to break into that house, but Kevin keeps like using little tricks and diversions to get them away. They eventually figure out that he's actually there by himself. I don't remember how exactly they figure that out. How do they figure that out? It's it's in there. It's in the movie somewhere. <laughs> it's fine. And then eventually, like he overhears them saying, like, oh, we're coming back tomorrow at nine o'clock. So he goes and goes to the church and talks to the old man who's the neighbor. So now he's not afraid of the neighbor guy anymore. It's great, fantastic. In the meantime, <laughs> the mom has like skipped back and flown into like, I don't know where the fuck she flew into, like Milwaukee or something like that. It's Dallas. Uh, she ends up in uh Okay, so yeah, so she ends up and she meets up with John Candy, who like I really like that story that they told in the the Netflix show, Movies That Made Us or whatever, that like he basically had to shoot all that in one day and they got paid scale. So yeah. like scummy, you know, good good way to get John Candy in there. But like it's nice. Also he, John Candy's in this movie, so he good. Did it. I mean he volunteered to do it like at scale, basically. John Candy yeah. didn't need this fucking money at this point. He was making money like hand over fist. I think he was dead like two years later too. So like, I yeah, mean, what he, gonna be what able to spend on that money anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. So there's that too. It's sad, sadly, sad. You know, rest in peace, John Candy. But yeah, so like Kevin sets up to just the most like brutal set of traps <laughs> in the history of movie making. <laughs> like they put like a fucking Indiana Jones movie to shame. Yeah, like this this shit. Like he maims these poor fucking guys. <laughs> Just so they can get into his house and steal like a fax machine that his dad had in an apartment or in a in an office somewhere, some horse <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Ugh, either way. So like, yeah, they show up to go in and like, what happens to them? They just like, they, he's got the, the stairs are all iced. So they fall down the fucking stairs and just get fucking broken up. <laughs> the one guy gets like an iron dropped on his face and then he gets a nail put through his tarred up foot, <laughs> which is awful. The other dude... <laughs> Like when after he falls down the front steps, it just makes my back hurt every time I think yeah. about him falling. Joe Pesci right falling on his back. Yeah, every time. Finally gets up there, burns his hand, and then he goes to the other door and he gets his head burned, and then he gets feathers blown on him with like glue and shit, which is just like at that. That's the mildest one. Why is that even in there? So dumb. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and then the other guy, like after he's got his feet all tarred up, he goes back out, goes through a window, and steps on a butt. Like that—that that one is the one that I yeah. want to die every time I hear, because he steps right on the ornaments with both feet. With because he's dumb. Because he doesn't look. He doesn't look at all. It's so fucking stupid. Oh, it makes me want to die. Oh, it's so painful. Either way. I don't know what else happens to them. Oh, is this where they they slip and fall on the fucking micro machines? Yeah. yeah. Which is just brutal. And then the paint cans, they get yep. the paint cans in the face. And then there's like the 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 spider the trip on the face, the trip wire, but then the spider. Yeah. And then like the fucking crowbar to Joe Pesci's ribs because he's going to kill the spider. Just break like just caves oh, in my the entire chest. Yeah. Collapsed lung. Oh my god, it's brutal. And then uh, they fall off the rope when he climbs to the other side and smash into the wall. Is that it? Is that all that happens to them at that point? I can't <laughs> remember that anymore. not enough? Oh, no. Then the old dude fucking smashes them both in the face with a, with with a, a fucking shovel. With a shovel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After they catch him. So, yeah. Uh, at that point, they get arrested, I think. Right? Yeah. And here's my question to the group. 
do the McAllisters ever find out about Kevin's crime fighting adventure or is he just like <laughs> a sociopath in training? No, he miraculously like cleans up. up the entire house by the following yeah. morning. Yeah. The only thing that's left is, uh, the gold tooth, right? Harry, Harry's gold tooth. Yeah. Huh? So he's just like Batman in training then. There's, Good. I mean, there are definitely like takes on YouTube and shit like that of like this being basically a horror movie, uh, yeah. where like Marv and Harry are just getting fucking like put through the paces by a maniacal child. Yeah. Uh, now one of you could probably answer this because I remember the the bricks were in part two, right? I don't remember. Yeah. I can't remember yeah, ever seeing part bricks, two, but I the bricks are in Home Alone too. Yeah. Okay. Because I've seen the bricks segment before, and that was the one that really like took me out of these home alone movies. And just, I was just like, that is so violent. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how to like describe it. Like getting like the brick thrown at you like that. I was like, that's so fucking vicious. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where we and go to like from here. At this point. The other, like, yeah. He gets it like six times. I was right. like, Oh my God, your head would be fucking like paced <laughs> at this point. Either way. I mean, Marv clearly has permanent brain damage. I think even before all of this. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but that's just, kudos to daniel stern for that wild eye performance you know so there it is yeah i don't know if you've seen the honest trailer for this movie but they describe it as saw for children i I could see that actually that kind of works i i figure it's die hard for kids which i figured like you'd be on board for that's that's what the joke i was going to make at the beginning i'm like it's good that you picked this movie because it's basically die hard for kids and i can't argue with die hard so that's pretty much it i mean from there it's just the, the parents come back and yeah the yeah. parents come back and they have their emotional like reunion because you got to have the emotional like oh mom i missed you no you didn't you had way more fun without them <laughs> obviously yeah and then uh yeah i guess they had a second movie after this the donald trump yeah. is then oh, God. they've had that. like four of them now only i think there's five had, actually yeah only two of them had macaulay culkin yeah yeah so is that is that what like leads you to this movie Alicia is Macaulay Culkin. No, is he your because favorite? he is always been a weird gremlin looking child. Yes. <laughs> even currently, he's just an old he's gremlin looking yeah, child. He's still a gremlin looking child, even now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like, he almost looks like a Kid Rock now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I can, it, okay. Kid yeah, Rock with it. like a marginally better fashion sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just because he's as hipstery as you are, Tim. Like, <laughs> when it comes to like how he dresses with his fancy t shirts and stuff. <laughs> I see him on Red Letter Media. I know what he does. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the plot of Home Alone. So, uh, what what is it that makes Home Alone work for you as much as it does, Alicia? It's really hard to quantify that. I grew up with this movie. Um, I can't remember a time in my life that Home Alone hasn't existed because it came out in like 1990, right? I was six. Yeah. It just it hit at exactly the the right time for me. I remember watching this movie on repeat year round when I was a kid. Like I would be like up in my bedroom in the middle of summer watching fucking Home Alone. And I, I, do, I really don't know why I latched onto it, like, with the same intensity that I latched onto Disney movies, but I 100% did. I have so many fucking memories of watching this movie as a child. Like, every time I watch this movie, I have a burning desire to eat pizza. Because this movie is what alerted me to the fact that 
you can just eat cheese pizza. And I was a really picky kid. And my <laughs> grandmother always wanted supreme pizzas and I fucking hated them. And then I was like, oh shit, I can get that's, pizza that's with just correct. cheese on it. That's amazing. Yeah, because no, because fucking like having pizza with like peppers and olives on it is a travesty. It yeah, it's for evil people, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 a movie that's really held up for me. Like I when we well I watch it every single fucking year at least twice. What stood out to me was how '90s this movie like it's so pre nine eleven like just yeah. <laughs> oh my god it's so like it's funny how your life is divided by certain events and like pre nine eleven travel. Oh yeah, just well, baffling. <laughs> where they could get to the airport and they're like we're forty five minutes away from the airport. I'd be like well you're fucking done. You can't get through security in forty five minutes. <laughs> so like you're fucked. Already, but yeah, like I never knew travel that way because the, the first time I ever flew on a plane was uh, well after nine eleven. So like it, I had a completely unrealistic expectation of what a fucking airport was like, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well you could just run full hog like that and down the middle of the aisle. Yeah. We were having that conversation as well. We were like, yeah, like if you did that today, you like the fucking security would just like body slam you to the ground yeah, if you had like absolutely. 18 people fucking running fucking balls to the wall through an airport just doesn't work in 2020 in fucking no. 2001 it doesn't work yeah and the other thing like this is a, a fucking movie that just does not work in the era of cell phones in any way shape or form yeah yeah like, that's the first thing i thought i was like man how come they can't get in touch with anybody like everybody's got a cell oh yeah, like their alarm would have gone off on their phone in the morning instead of like you know the alarm being like or their you know fucking clock radio going out because the power goes out and yeah their phone <laughs> yeah they wouldn't have been late because the phones would have gone off first yeah. of all either way but even like even if they wanted to they'd be able to watch him because most of these families would probably have cctv in their house <laughs> that they could log or into VIP or something yeah yeah that they could log into via the internet and they'd be able to see the kid was still home be like oh look the kid's fine oh look there's people in the house ah yeah call the police because <laughs> like even the cops are like whoo negligent <laughs> at yeah. best yeah and i mean kevin would just like go find somebody with a fucking cell phone and get them to call his parents and and yeah. the story and yeah <laughs> I don't know. For me, like, I think Columbus, like the team of Columbus and Hughes together, they do a good job. I mean, yes, it's an outlandish fucking scenario where, like, you accidentally leave your kid at home. But, like, in this, like, comedy John Hughesy kind of world, I appreciate them going to the effort that they go to to, like, create this scenario that seems chaotic enough that, like, it's marginally believable that they leave Kevin behind accidentally in a land where Ferris can take a day off. I believe that they can leave Kevin McAllister. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? So I guess it's, I guess if you describe it that way, yeah. then fine between them being in a rush and like, you know, doing an inaccurate count of everybody and, you know, getting the fucking bringing back something French kid counting him as Kevin and everything like, okay, fine. They, they go to enough effort that I'm willing to buy into it. What it also shows is that they need to send like the, all those kids to therapy because they do not care about each other at all. Like <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, I like Alicia and I also had to sit down yesterday and be like, okay, which one of these are fucking actually like his siblings and which because they're yeah, there's like 38 people in that fucking house before they leave. And I'm like, who that which ones of these actually live here? And I guess I mean, you know, that makes sense, right? You know, you're that helps you to understand like Harry being like, which one of these fucking people actually live here and shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. 
and I think like like most John Hughes movies, it's just a good mix of comedy and drama. Like it's got heart, but it's also fucking just got like so many funny moments that I think a lot of them span generations. There are definitely like some jokes that are more, you know, immature and then there are other ones that like you don't get until you're older kind of thing. You seem and, like, to have like serious nostalgia for John Hughes just in general. I do for sure. I have nostalgia for weird John Hughes movies. Like I I've watched Breakfast Club like a couple of times, but it's not one that I go back to a lot. But I have like a lot of I have a lot of nostalgia for like latter day John Hughes movies. Um like shit like Curly Sue or oh. or Dutch. Like I love Dutch. I watched Dutch a fucking million times when I was a kid. I mean it was another one of those ones that was like always on on the weekends, right? Yeah, it was on TBS constantly. Yeah. That's the only reason I saw it because that movie's terrible. Yeah. And and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I fuck See, like, Planes Trains is one movie. I fuck with a lot. Yeah, I like that one. I don't like See, it's like those Brat Pack ones, like I don't hate, but like they're not really geared to me at all. So yeah, like, they're Gen X. Like sixteen candles, like, like fine. Yeah, but like it. Yeah, and the vacation and movies. I love the va- like, especially Christmas Vacation is another one. Is of that Hughes though? Yeah, he did. Um, or did he he, he wrote one? he wrote European Vacation. Okay. And National Lampoon's Vacation, the the original one, and I believe he did Christmas Vacation too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote and produced Christmas Vacation. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, like, I mean, first Bueller's Day Off, basically. It's where it kind of begins and ends for me with him. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like Ferris Bueller fine as well. But uh, yeah, like 16 Candles, Breakfast Club. Yeah. Uh, like Pretty in Pink, like, don't do a lot for me. Weird Science, like, those are the ones that I think if you ask people, like, name John Hughes movies, those are the ones they'd go to. And I'd be like, yeah, those are fine. But like, See, I like Molly Ringwald a lot, but like, I don't yeah. know if I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's also a really well edited movie overall. Like the action slapsticky kind of scenes are edited well, but also just like on a grander scale, like they know when to cut between what's going on in like suburban Chicago, wherever this is, and like Paris or Kevin's mother, like her yeah. whole strife to get back in time or get back to, you know, make sure her son isn't dead. <laughs> Although it doesn't seem like she would really fucking care, especially when you take into consideration the next fucking movie, right? Like <laughs> his his mother's kind of a bitch. Well, it's like Catherine O'Hara always plays the same character, basically. I, I love so. Catherine O'Hara in this, though. Yeah. I think she's such a she's such a great comedic actress, and like her reactions in this are just fucking just just chef's during kiss. the uh, funeral home story in particular <laughs> yes <laughs> i love that story yeah like john candy just going off about like you know how they how he left the, their kid in a fucking funeral home for like hours and yeah and then the kid like you know after a few weeks started talking again and shit and she's like oh my god and then she's like just sitting there like i've traumatized my child he's never going to be the same and you can just see like without her saying a word you can just see all that on her face yeah she's pretty funny and well i mean john candy's so fucking good in that bit but yeah yeah i mean this is this is one of my favorite john candy roles for sure yeah uh, like i mean i i love john candy and most of the stuff that he did but this is definitely one of the ones where i think especially for the amount of time or the small amount of time that he actually gets on screen he kind of steals the show a little bit with this performance so yeah because he could, like, zooms in and is hilarious and then just disappears again so yeah Gus Walensky, the was mid or Midwest uh, the fucking Polka, Polka King, King or whatever, yeah, the Polka yeah. King of the Midwest. Polka How can King you not just Midwest. quote this movie? 
Well, this is what, like, this is definitely a movie that, like, I can sit down, especially while I'm watching it, and, like, you know, fucking, like, talk along with like, the dialogue. Most, yeah. Most of the thing, like, probably 80% or more of it, I, like, know, you know, have, like, ingrained in my memory kind of thing. I would put this up as one of the best child actor performances of all time. Like, I can't think of very many more uh, than Macaulay Culkin here that, you know, just launched, I mean, launched kind of a career, not much of a career, but a bit of a career. And he's yeah, what so else did good. he do? Like, what Richie else did he Rich? do? Richie well, Rich? Well, I know, I mean, yeah. Richie Rich. And then yeah, he was right. like, he, he didn't do anything between Richie Rich and Party Monster. Like, he completely <laughs> out of acting. He did that, was it the good, not not the good son like there was a movie where he played like an evil twin or something like that. Oh yeah, with what's her name from uh, Veep? Is the girl in that? I think. Yeah, I mean he was in Uncle Buck, but that was before this. The Good Son. It was the Good Son. It was the Good Son. Okay. Yeah, yeah uh, no, because oh, that's my, got my fucking my girl. Which one's my girl? My girl was the one where, uh, yeah, with the bees, where where he played. Okay, no, that's the one. That's the one with the girl from Veep. Yes, that is the one with Anna Chlumsky. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah that always throws me off that threw me off for like the first four hours of watching veep where i was trying to figure out where i recognized her from and i was like i don't, I don't she doesn't I, i've seen her in something and i'd like yeah. actually go physically look it up because then it was like well, i had to go all the way back to 1992 and see my girl and be like oh oh <laughs> yeah and then after richie rich in 1994 he didn't do anything for like 10 years and then came back and did party monster which is a great fucking movie yeah party monster it. was really weird for me to fucking watch (laughs) it was a good movie it wasn't very like critically uh, acclaimed or whatever but like it was such an interesting role for macaulay Culkin to play Mm -hmm. especially like growing up with him and him being the home alone kid to me he's still the home alone kid to me to see him play that was interesting yeah i mean i feel like this movie plays really well on kids like fears and fantasies like fears in terms of like, yeah, when you're home alone, like sometimes scary shit happens. Like, I mean, obviously like the fucking wet bandits are a real like fucking scary thing that happens, but like also the things that you make up in your head, like the scary oh, old, the the furnace. old neighbor. Yeah. The, the scary basement with the furnace and everything. The furnace made me laugh. Yeah. The hello, Kevin. <laughs> Uh, but then on the flip side, like the freedom fantasies, right? And being able to eat whatever you want, watch whatever you want, do whatever you want at any time. And then like you realize when you're a grown up, you can kind of do some of those things. Maybe on the weekend. Yeah, it's on the weekend. I got to stay up late on the weekends. <laughs> and like I like said, it's it's a got it does have some drama and some heart. Like I like the old man storyline. The what they don't even ever give a name, do they? He's just the South Bend shovel, shovel slayer, slayer. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's the heart of the movie right like you know you have that whole scene in the church him being like estranged from his kid and then kevin they you know they help each other out so kevin convinces him to reach out to his son and then you see him at the end getting to go in and have christmas with his son and their family for the first time and i just think you know that's that's that like just john hughes in general i think was always a master of being able to bring emotion into something without it being like super schlocky like with it being like pretty earnest and relatable and not you just being like oh god this is fucking like just makes me sick Mm, yes (laughs) yeah but you have no heart that's true that's true i'll just be quiet (laughs) 
there's just so many like great comedic moments. And again, some that I didn't pick up until I was older. Again, this is going back to the South Bend Shovel Slayer when Buzz and like the fucking curly headed cousin and Kevin are looking out the window and Buzz says, you ever heard of the South Bend Shovel Slayer? And the cousin says, no. And Buzz just continues on, says that's him. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just delivered so straight. And it's one of those things that like, I didn't pick up probably until I was like in my twenties or something like that. It's like, that is fucking like genuinely comedically hilarious (laughs) that like Buzz is just that fucking oblivious that he just steamrolls over it and just keeps going. And then there's Buzz, like, counting off the reasons why Kevin is going to be okay. And they're, what, A, 2, and D. (laughs) (laughs) I think this movie might hold the record for the most cockings of Chekhov's gun ever. Like, there's so much shit that they set up in the first half of the movie. Like, you know, and and it's, again, things that you might not notice until you're watching it for, like, the fifth or eighth or hundredth time or whatever. But, like, where his dad's talking about, like, how he almost slipped on one of the micro machines and then Kevin's putting the micro machines out later and shit like that. And all that sort of stuff is just, you know, so much shit that they set up in the first half. I mean, the fucking tarantula being free and wandering around the house and everything. And then definitely being a like foot wide rubber spider when they show it on Harry's chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things are massive. Yeah. It's an interesting edit. They chose for that bit of business. And one thing that I don't know if it's supposed to be comedic, but I always, it always makes me laugh is how distraught the pharmacist gets when he realizes like Kevin asked him if the toothbrush is approved by the American dental association and the dude that's playing the pharmacist is just like, I'm not sure if he was just like fucking acting his face off, but he's just like seems so distraught that he doesn't know. It's like, oh my God, what have I done with my life, my entire career? I should have known this fact. How do I not know if this toothbrush is approved by the American Dental Association? You just see him questioning. I feel like you read a lot into that scene. <laughs> that was it's one of those things. I mean, when you've watched this movie that many it, fucking it, times. It is it's the earnestness in which he delivers that line because his face just goes blank and his eyes go really it's wide like, and he's just like uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like he knew That's... he had one fucking line in this movie and he was <laughs> going to deliver it god damn yeah, it. Exactly. He was going to make it fucking mean something. He was going to make his character have some depth. He got cast in a big John Hughes picture so like I guess... <laughs> I feel like, again, like, Mark, you said that the wet bandits are, like, your favorite part of this movie. I think they're just the right balance of menacing and, like, goofy and bumbling for, like, this family movie situation. Like, if, yeah, they, were, like, if they were scarier than this, then yeah. it wouldn't work. If they were, like, too fucking slapstick, it wouldn't work. Yeah, that's uh, Daniel Stern. You know what I mean? Just yeah. just be- being goofy enough while having Joe Pesci standing next to him pretending not to swear. Who almost ended up not being in this movie. Who the fuck was it that almost played? Oh, they, they kept making jokes about it in that episode of that show. So I don't remember. I want to say Andrew Dice Clay, but I know that's not. No, right. no, 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 that's not him. But yeah, Daniel Stern was cast and then he had to drop out because the shooting schedule got extended and then they cast somebody else and then it just wasn't working. And so they went back and got Daniel Stern. Apparently De Niro turned down the role of Harry yeah, he wanted and, to be. That was uh, Joe Pesci. He was going to yeah. be Joe Pesci. Oh, Daniel Roebuck was. Uh, that's it. That's it. Roebuck. Yeah. Yeah. It was that's the name they be. say over and over again. So, I mean, just imagine. I can't imagine this movie with fucking De Niro and whoever the hell Daniel Roebuck is instead of uh, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci in those roles. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody else screaming 
better than Daniel Stern does. And there's also like, if you want to know more about this movie, I think I shouted out the movies that made us series on Netflix. Like they go into in depth into like how Joe Pesci apparently just like wouldn't fucking show up on set until like hours after he was supposed to and shit like that. And like how the sets were all made in fucking like high in like a pool. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, one of the main sets was made like in a fucking like Olympic sized swimming pool at a closed down high school and shit like that. It's yeah. fucking bizarre. It's one of those movies that like you, you hear all those stories and you're like, how the fuck did this actually get made? Well, like even that story they tell in that episode about like who was going to make it like, Foxes who actually ended up putting it out, but like oh, yeah. was it Warner? Warner was funding it initially, yeah, or something like that. Exactly. But yeah, and then and then at some point, like somebody was going around and like basically giving out T-shirts for the new production company as the other. Yeah, it was leaving. Production people were telling everybody that the production was being shut down. Yeah, so like <laughs> it just it, was, it sounds like one of those like Hollywood's crazy kind of stories. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, fucking. Can we talk about the John Williams score? Another thing that, like, if you watch that Movies That Made Us episode, was, like, they just, like, reached out to him on a whim and were like, wouldn't it be great if we get John Williams to do the score for this thing? And they sent him, like, a rough cut of the movie, I think. And he was just like, yeah, I'll do this. This this is a fucking great movie. I want to be attached to this. And he probably took points on the back end that have been paying dividends ever since. <laughs> I mean, he got a Oscar nomination for, well, both for uh, the score and for uh, Somewhere in My Memory, uh, the like main song from the credits and everything. Okay. And it's got a solid soundtrack full of Christmas classics as well. Like, I don't think anybody can hear that Drifters version of White Christmas without imagining that whole Kevin aftershave scene. Yes. As everybody gets here, why? <laughs> I've seen this movie once in the last 20 years. So, Mark, surely you've noticed like how everything in the fucking McAllister's house is like red or green. Yeah, the art direction on this is uh, hilarious. And they talk about it again. We're going to keep talking about this Netflix episode because yeah. it keeps bringing stuff up. But uh, the guy who decorated it was one of us uh, and hated Christmas. <laughs> and therefore went over the top with the set direction and yeah everything in this movie is disgustingly red and green (laughs) like everything looks like a candy cane it's awful and it's one of those things that you don't necessarily pick up on until you're you've been told it and after that you can't see anything else oh my god yeah well i mean yeah i guess at this point i kind of i knew at this point but i remember watching it and just being like why is did they redecorate the whole house just for Christmas time? Because like, like the wallpaper is like candy cane and reindeer and shit. And I was like, what is going on break, here? Every like every piece of furniture has like red or green uh, upholstery and shit like Here's that. Here's my my question: like a house that big, you'd think they'd have some kind of like live-in help. You know what I mean? That they didn't <laughs> bring with them to Paris. So like, I feel like it just feels weird that they have like 19 kids in a house that big. Like, what does he do? Is he in the mob? There are, there are a lot of theories about what Kevin's dad actually does. Okay. Okay. Cause like, <laughs> I don't understand like that house doesn't make any sense to me. It's like the Soprano house. It's so big. And I was like, what is, what do they do? Like, is he in tech or something like that? I'm like, this is 1993. There's no tech yet. To be fair, What's going he's probably on here? a consultant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's probably paid for all of those tickets using like using travel miles or whatever frequent flyer miles. Waste management consultant, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep, definitely. Like the Sopranos. Yeah, that's fine. So I'll Kevin's do that. I'll dad take didn't that. pay for those plane tickets. His brother did. His brother, who's in Uncle Frank. Paris. No, not oh Uncle Frank. right, right, right. Not fucking Uncle Frank, that shithead. 
No, Uncle Frank's a cheap bastard. Who Alicia taught me this year that apparently Uncle Frank was supposed there was like there were shots that were recorded that would have made him basically the bad guy in the whole movie. Yeah, so well, isn't he? Originally, he was supposed to be trying to rob Kevin's dad, and he is the one who hired the wet bandits to begin with. But they ended up going in a different direction, which is why, like, tip, like tip them off, like to, when they were going to be out of the house and shit. Yeah, which is why he, there's that uh, scene on the airplane where he's trying to steal the crystal that was supposed to like play into him being overtly evil instead of just a dick oh okay but that yeah. still totally works like that scene where he's you know yeah. just trying to get her to put the crystal like salt shakers or whatever in his yeah. wife's purse like I, that's totally believable that like some asshole would do right he's like well i think we should just take these there's our yeah. mine now i'm entitled to these kind of thing we all know that fucking member of our family Yes. <laughs> this is a movie that doesn't work without fucking great like slapstick stunt work as well. Like, there's uh, yeah, there's no conclusion to this movie if they don't have like a half an hour of stunt guys nearly crippling themselves yeah. <laughs> to entertain you. The yeah. Foley in particular in this movie is on fucking point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of which, in this whole movie which of the booby traps is it that makes you cringe the hardest? Which one can you feel when it happens to Harry or Marv? Mark? Anything that has to do with falling down, like I, that's how I hurt my back initially was falling down a flight of stairs. Mm. So and any of the ones where they're falling down, like the, especially Harry. it's Harry, Harry on the front steps, like the concrete steps, like just, oh my God, I fucking, I'd rather get hit in the face with an iron. I think, then fall like that. Fall flat on your back. Uh, on like that. Well, it's not the concrete, it's the jab, like the point of the stairs. Like on the stairs is where it really gets me. So oh. that's how I fucking injured myself. But yeah, other than that, like the burns and stuff, I'm like, that'll all heal probably. But like the, the back, that one fucks me up pretty bad. So like all okay. the stairs, not my thing. <laughs> Alicia? It is 100% the nail in the foot, and it oh, is because, yeah. it's because of the fucking Foley. The Foley yeah. is goddamn brutal. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that awful scratching, that bad. scratching sound, like it's because it's punching through, like, uh, yeah. and the fact that, like, his feet are just covered in tar yeah. already when that's happened. So the Foley sound in particular, that little tiny t- celery sound that they used. Yeah. So for a long time, I was getting Botox in my face because it was for migraines. And yeah. um, that's the sound the needle makes when it punches through the collagen of your skin. And when you're getting injections around your ear, that's exactly what the fuck it sounds like. Mm. So now it, it's always bothered me. But now I have that extra association with that particular sound. Like, oh, I hate it so Ugh. much. Jesus. The nail's pretty bad for me, but since Alicia already claimed that one, I'm going to say the other foot one, the fucking... Oh, yeah, the ornaments. Like, after he's already got his feet just covered in tar and fucking had a nail go, like, an inch into his foot, he then puts both feet down hard on glass fucking ornaments that then just shatter. Yeah, And like, And then they show him or like the stunt guy or whatever, like continuing to walk on them. Yeah. And like, you can see the one bulb that like breaks under his foot. Jesus Christ. Like, cause everybody knows that feeling, right? Yeah. Even if it's just like having a splinter in your foot and just imagine that like times a hundred, oh, yeah. all these tiny little, little fucking shards of glass, just that you have to pick out of your tar covered foot. 
it's the Die Hard wound, right? Like that's the the big scene, yeah. the big dramatic scene in Die Hard is him pulling that fucking glass out of his Huge, yeah out of his foot. Of glass yeah. Of his foot. So like <laughs> again, another you know, got to shout out Die, Die Hard, Hard again because yeah. there it is. But yeah, yeah that shit's awful. <laughs> and Die Hard was another one of the movies that they did on that movies that made a show too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And on the flip side, which of those injuries do you think would have be the most damaging in real life? Oh, the crowbar to the fucking chest. Yeah, I, the, the, I always feel like they undersell the crowbar to the chest because that I like because <laughs> he brings it down hard. I have hit things with a crowbar before. I'm not going to say like what or who or whatever, but like <laughs> and it can fucking do a lot of damage to get hit by a crowbar. So the crowbar to the chest, like it hits him twice too, right? Like he really hauls yeah. off on him. Like fuck that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I watched a, a YouTube video where they had a ballistic dummy that they hit with a crowbar with approximating the amount of force, and it just pulverized the yeah, entire it, chest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would it would crack all your ribs. So uh, yeah. that one, I like. I know the I know the paint cans must hurt like hell. The paint cans, that's the one for me that I think would be the worst. It would, like, it would just straight up kill you. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that exactly. would kill you, right? Especially if they're full. Like, they never really clearly tell you if they're full or not. Yeah. But, like, if those things were full, it would just, like, shatter your entire fucking, like, face right in front of your skull and push it all back into your brain and see what what can we i I know they've done the youtube videos like the the, like the who is it corridor digital or whatever have probably done like the special effects version where like they do it realistically and they get hit in the face the paint can they show you but like somebody should do a horror version of this and use these exact (laughs) traps and the the character should react realistically to the wounds they have we're like marv is it really as long no, because Marv, Marv would be screaming in the basement. Actually, he'd probably be dead after that fall down the stairs into the basement. After the step. iron, for sure. Or after the iron. Yeah, actually, that would probably kill him, too. So, like, he's Just dead in their basement. and drooling with, like, a gaping head wound. He's dead in the basement five minutes into the assault. And the other guy is laid out probably paralyzed from the initial fall down the stairs because uh, yeah. that first time he falls he falls directly on the stairs and that's like all your vertebrae are just gone just <laughs> gone so slipped like four discs right there yeah so like yeah this movie should be real short but uh them being made out of adamantium <laughs> helps a lot they have yeah, there there's a an au right there where marvin harry have mutant healing powers yeah 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 <laughs> they're both they're both deadpools it's either that or they're bugs bunny like i don't know what else how else they survive this shit so basically so paint can for me like yeah shattered skulls broken noses like permanent brain damage at the least if not just like instant brain death yeah basically so alicia's yours also the crowbar or something else i was the one who said crowbar yeah she said crowbar <laughs> yeah okay because i was like i don't like the stairs the stairs hurt too much that's, that's a personal injury that i have yeah fair do we have any mark you seem to not like this movie what are your gripes about home alone i don't really actually have tons of gripes about it i just bitch about it because it's a fucking christmas Christmas movie movie. and i'm not like i'm not i don't like child actors i don't think macaulay culkin's that special a child actor so i disagree with you on that particular like he's fine you know like i get it he's he's like he's like mogwai in child form or whatever he's just i just don't know that i I would make the argument that I can I can't think of many other child actors that would have pulled this off the same the same way. No, but like 
do you have to have a child actor? I mean, like, obviously, it has to be a child actor who does this. You just take kids. I don't like kids. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so the fact is that you hate this movie because it is a Christmas movie that has kids in it. Yeah. And like a lot of them at the beginning, too. So it's like, it's the worst part of having kids, which is where there's a lot of them and they're alive. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not into this at all. It's fair. I don't like I, I can I can feel that part of not liking kids yeah because uh, somebody that that attends disney theme parks on a regular basis yeah when you, when you get a lot of them together it's a lot yeah so i'm not big on that stuff i mean really like my it's just it's a halloween or a halloween movie <laughs> it's a christmas movie and it's just not my thing there's just so many questions that i have about it at the end of the day I'm like how do they get this giant house and like what does he do and why are they why do they just kill the kid and fucking rob the house if they want it that bad like it's <laughs> I don't know. And like the what bandit thing. You you might like the second one better because Joe Pesci goes like full on. He's going to murder this kid in fucking Central Park. Yeah. Well, after what he did to them, I'd want to kill the little fuck. So like (laughs) we say, we say like, oh, how awful that he's going to bite his fingers off. If somebody fucking smashed my fucking face in with a paint can and lit my head on fire. I don't give a shit if the little pricks fucking six, eight. How old is he supposed to be? Eight, eight. Uh, seven, seven or eight, yeah, because he's in like grade two, I think. I'd pull his fucking head off with my bare hands. I just admitted that I would murder a child <laughs> on a podcast. But if I got lit on fire and it is smashed in the face with a paint can, and I fell like nineteen times like that, I'd want to kill the little bastard too. So like, I'm weirdly on the wet bandit side here. I think that's fair. I'm, but it's also like an eat the rich thing too. I'm like, look how big that house is. Those are one percenters. You know what I mean? Like it's time to start, <laughs> you know, eating the pigs. Like let's do this thing. Yeah. It's, it's that your, your take is that is fucking like roll out the guillotines and kill them, <laughs> kill the McAllisters. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> that's a take. That I, that's, is a take. That's, that's a very hot, very stoned take, but like that's a take. <laughs> I guess my only like real gripe is watching it this time in like, you know, 1080p on a big ass TV is you it there are definitely times where you can fully tell like, yeah, that's totally the fucking stunt double. Oh, well, I guess no, we can talk about, I can talk about that. Joe Pesci. <laughs> that is definitely not fucking yeah. uh, Macaulay Culkin, that kind of thing. I watched the 4K. There's a 4K dump of this that came out oh, apparently. So I, I watched that just because I'm like, if I'm going to watch it, I'm, I may as well get the full experience right and uh yeah you can there's a lot of seams at the end of this movie that are very apparent when you pull it out to 4k <laughs> yeah and are able to freeze frame and kind of like frame by frame it a little bit because you can see some shit like very apparent like that that spider that they put on his face that ain't real that's not real at all <laughs> like and you can tell so yeah. i don't know there's stuff like that that yeah it's there but i mean it's home alone like everybody loves this movie I, I don't understand it, but like everybody loves it. So what are you going to do? Sweetie, do you have any gripes about Home Alone? Uh, yeah, of course I do. I hate everything, even the things that I love. <laughs> One is a very, very tiny gripe, but I think Big Pete was very much misused in this movie. And <laughs> that is something that only American people are probably going to understand. Um, yep, confused. Yeah, so there was a show on Nickelodeon called The Adventures of Pete and Pete, and it is one of the best shows ever, as far as I am concerned. Tim didn't like it because he's fucking wrong. I didn't (laughs) dislike it. I just didn't love it as much as you wanted me to. Let's get that right. The music in that show was fucking incredible. Um, So it was was an early 90s show, and it was about two redheaded brothers getting up to hijinks, basically. And 
the middle brother in the McAllister household is Big Pete from that show. So I have all of these like preconceived notions about how that kid should act because of how he acted in Pete and Pete. And he's such a little shit stain in this fucking movie. Not as much as Buzz, but still a shithead. And it makes me angry. The actor's name is Michael C. Morona, by the way. Mm. I don't really like the emotional heart of this movie at all. I think it's really trite and, you know, everything I don't like about Christmas movies. I like the Saw-like horribleness of Kevin wailing on these two mostly innocent bumbling burglars. I like that part of the movie. I much prefer the parts of the movie where the family is just being like dicks to Kevin more so than when they're trying to be a loving family because it's just sappy bullshit right but like there's the ratio of sappy bullshit to things that are legitimately funny or enjoyable for me to watch is an okay ratio which is why this is my favorite christmas movie (laughs) see there there is a bit the bit where and tim talked about it but it's where brothers is describing why kevin won't get hurt in like what's going on by being left at home kind of thing. And he's, he's, he's listing them off, but as an older sibling, you can kind of relate to that. Like regardless, cause just like, yeah, of course, like the Stop little coddling the little kid. Yeah. The whatever. baby, he's going to be fine. Like, you know, like <laughs> he's resilient. Look how bad you fucked me up. Yeah. He'll be fine. Exactly. Like I, I've had way worse things happen to me than this. So like, stop fucking whining about it. Yeah. That's one of those scenes that I'm like, I relate to that emotion even in my thirties. Yeah. <laughs> With two younger siblings. Yeah, especially yeah, with two younger siblings. I am the oldest, so I get to hear all that shit all the time. So, hi, Paul, if you ever <laughs> listen to this ever again. Yeah, I guess I'm the only one here that doesn't have siblings, right? So, like, the whole interaction between the siblings in this movie is not something that I really understand. Because uh, most of my knowledge of siblings was based off of... This movie? Media. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that and, you know, really dysfunctional relationships between my friends and their siblings. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We like we get along, but like we fight also. So yeah, I related to Buzz in that moment. I'll give him that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every sibling has those has that tension to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I do love like, I mean, yeah. Buzz is just a fucking hilarious character overall. <laughs> every time he's on screen, and then like the whole scene where like Kevin's going through his shit in his room and everything, and like going through the playboys and oh sickening and his girlfriend woof and all that shit yeah and then just fucking straight up stealing buzz's like life savings to go like buy some groceries yeah uh and freeing his tarantula too who could have died yeah. that poor tarantula that what did it do to you kevin That's mcallister true. you monster yeah. sociopath and then it all culminates at the end where Kevin's about to get his fucking ass beat because the one thing he didn't clean up in the house apparently was Buzz's room. Yeah, he leaves Buzz's room for some reason. So strange. <laughs> so strange. I mean, I don't know how you're going to like put those shelves back together. But. No. And like, do you care? Like, you hate your older brother, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I never had an older <laughs> brother, so. All right. Well, does anybody have anything else to say on uh, Home Alone before we wrap things up? Yes, we did your Christmas episode. Are you happy now? Did my Christmas (laughs) episode. All right. Well, everybody, let's give Home Alone a rating out of 10 and your final thoughts, Alicia. I'm going to go nine. It's not a perfect movie, but it is definitely one of my favorites. It's a beautifully stylized movie, which is not something that I really noticed until I got much older. 
because I really do like how much they lean into that red and green bullshit. I think that coupled with the score, coupled with the fantastic editing and also all the nostalgia that is wrapped up in it for me, it is the closest thing to a perfect Christmas movie I believe I'm ever going to have. All right. Mark? Joe Pesci doesn't say fuck zero out of ten. <laughs> no, seriously, it's like five, six? I don't know. I just don't care. It's I'm like indifferent <laughs> out of ten, I guess. We'll say six out of ten. Seven out of ten, Merry Christmas. That's that's the best you're gonna get from Mark for a Christmas movie. So especially one with a child lead. <laughs> For me, this is pretty much a perfect Christmas movie. Like I said, it's one of my favorites. It's everything that I want out of a Christmas movie. It's got some irreverence. It's got you know some touching moments. It's got plenty of festive scenery and shit like that. And I think that the whole you know making everything fucking red and green is smart because it's one of those things that you might not necessarily be conscious of, but helps you to get into that like you know Christmas mood and everything, even if you're not aware of it, kind of subconsciously. So I mean. As far as Christmas movies go, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. I don't think that I can really ask for much more out of Home Alone. And that is why it is like one of, if not the biggest Christmas movie of our generation. It was until Hangover 2 held the record for the most highest grossing comedy movie of all time with almost $500 million, with like $475 million. Really? Hangover 2 is what... I don't know why the hangover part two fucking unseated it, but I am disappointed in you world. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, we can move on to our final segment, which is geek cred where each of us just recommends something for you to check out that we think you might like Alicia. What is your geek cred for this week? I've already mentioned Point Crow, but I'm going to mention Point Crow again because he is currently playing a multiplayer version of Ocarina of Time, and it's his first playthrough of Ocarina of Time. And he had previously played it through to the Water Temple, and people made him hate it, so he abandoned it, and now he's. Well, I'm glad he went back again. Yeah, so he started doing it with his friend with this weird, like, multi, multiple player thing. Anyway, so he is. um, They're both Link, right? They are both Link, and it's really confusing until they're adult Link and can switch their tunics. But he just played through half of the Spirit Temple last night, and they are going to finish it on Sunday. So if you are listening to this now, you can probably go to his Twitch stream, which is Slash Point Crow, and it will be available to view on demand there because it won't be on his YouTube yet. But it is amazing watching somebody play this with fresh eyes who's never played it before. It brings me straight back to being whatever fucking age I was in 1998 when this game got released and (laughs) just all the magic in it. It's great. Nice. Mark, what's your geek cred for this week? Actually, this one this one comes hot from Korea. Paul recommended a movie to me this week called The Vast of Night. It's a 2019 American science fiction movie directed by Andrew Patterson and starring Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It's like about a young switchboard operator and uh, the the town disc jockey discover a weird audio thing going on in town. And like it's set in the 50s, so it's all kind of old switchboards and shit like that. There's no digital stuff kind of thing. And they end up like maybe finding aliens. It's very like kind of mm. Twilight zone because it actually has a little homage to Twilight Zone at the beginning. It opens up as like one of those twilight zone outer limit shows or whatever but and it feels like it could be an episode of one of those shows also but it's really well done 
uh, 90 minutes, like you're in and out real fast. I highly recommend everybody go and watch this movie. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> 90 minutes, not <laughs> That's bad. That's kind of like right? Pontypool, but sci-fi. It kind of actually is. Yeah, but it's set in the 50s, right? Like, it actually yeah. goes back. It's not like set. I guess Pontypool is kind of set. Now that's kind of become small, a period piece. Small town also. Canada. Small town yeah. Canada is basically left in the fucking 50s. I was going to say, like, so. especially because that's very, like, 90s also. Pontypool has, like, a very yeah. 90s aesthetic to it. So, like, I guess it almost is as much of a period piece as this is now being set in, like, it's 50s New Mexico uh, where this is set. So like it opens up where everybody's like excitedly going to like the the town high school basketball game on a Friday night, and weird shit starts happening, and like the switchboard operator calls the radio DJ like they, they kind of have like a crush but they don't really do anything with it. It's just it was a fun like ninety minute like sci fi romp like spooky kind of thing. So I recommend everybody go and like check that out. Nice, it was dope. My geek cred for this week is more Tom King DC stuff. The Batman Catwoman series just started this past week. It just had its, or well, I guess a couple weeks ago now. I just got it this week. Picks up basically where Tom King's run on Batman left off. First issue was great. It Story has me hooked. Uh, and Clayman's art is just fucking outstanding in it. So I enjoyed, I would say, 85 to 90% of Tom King's run on Batman. And this feels like more of the same. So... Sign me the fuck up. And I mean, it's, I think, some of the best Batman that we've had this decade, I would say, or the past decade. I mean, we just had Snyder. So, like, there's been lots of good Batman recently. But, yeah. 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 The Tom King stuff's been pretty good, uh, relatively speaking. I mean, even even the, the other side of it, like the, the detective comic stuff, the stuff that Tomasi's been and uh, James Tenney and the fourth have been doing over there has been really fucking good, too. So, Batman overall has been real solid. Yeah, I've heard good things about that stuff, too. So. Yeah, go read some Batman comics. That's my recommendation. All right, well, with that, we can finish off this episode. Thank you very much for listening, folks. And uh, if you would like to tell us what you think of Home Alone, if you think that we're totally off base, or if you agree that it is the one of the best Christmas movies ever, you can tell us those feelings on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Podcast. You can email us at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. And if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or most places that podcasts can be found. So with that, we will say good night. Say good night, Alicia. Good night. Say good night, Mark. Good night, everybody. This is Tim saying goodbye until next week. Merry Christmas and feel those gingerbread feelings somewhere in my memories what 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 just happened what? <laughs> that's the lyrics to somewhere in my memories literally some of the lyrics are like what it, i think is like feeling that gingerbread feeling that sounds like some weird serial killer horse shit tim <laughs> Christmas serial killer. I mean, there's plenty of crossover um, like Christmas horror movies. Alicia, I need you to get out of the house. The sex pervert <laughs> lives with you. The sex pervert is in the house with you right now. Yeah. Well, Alicia was talking about making some gingerbread, and I'm just talking about, you know, frosting. All right. Gingerbread. Now we're just recording. No. Now we're just recording some kind of crime. I'm going to stop <laughs> recording now. It's going to be definitely used as evidence in a future trial. Yeah. Yep. Great. I'm glad I recorded this. <laughs> Bye, everybody.